Welcome to The How of Business with your host, Henry Lopez, the podcast that helps you start, run, and grow your small business. And now, here is your host. Welcome to this episode of The How of Business. This is Henry Lopez, and my special guest today is Eddie Uribaso. Eddie, welcome to the show. Thank you. I'm excited to have Ed. Ed is my cousin and, and also a business partner, but uh, we'll tell you all about that in a moment. Ed's going to share his life journey, although briefly, and his entrepreneur story, which is fascinating, from serving in the Navy to a successful corporate career and then launching his first small business. And now we're going to chat as we do the deeper dive on starting his Office Evolution franchise location in Plantation, Florida. To receive more information about the Howa business, including links to the show notes page and to schedule a free coaching consultation with me, just text the word biz, B-I-Z, to 31996. So let me tell you more about Eddie. Eddie Uribaso is a small business owner and the co-owner of Office Evolution of Plantation, Florida. Uh, Office Evolution is a business center that provides private offices and productive collaborative co-working spaces. We'll chat more in our conversation about the other services that Office Evolution offers. Uh, Eddie is a United States Navy veteran, and after serving his country, he spent over 30 years in the HVAC controls industry, where he started as a systems application engineer of a major corporation and worked his way up to management positions. Eddie started his entrepreneurial career when he founded his own successful controls company, and recently, as I just said, opened a new location of Office Evolution, a franchise, despite all of the challenges of the COVID-19 crisis, that business center and business is open today. I'm a minority investor in this Office Evolution location, and I've enjoyed the opportunity to provide some assistance as Eddie selected this business opportunity, developed the location, and now, as I said, we're working together to make it a great long-term success. Eddie lives in Pembroke Pines, Florida with his wife, Mitzi, and his children, Miranda and Christian. And so once again, Eddie Uribaso, welcome to the show. Thank you for having me. And so Eddie, you're talking to me from one of the great features of Office Evolution of Plantation, which is our, we call it our podcast room or recording studio, right? Correct. I'm very excited to have this room. Hopefully uh, people can come and get some use of it. Absolutely. It's, it's a great setup. We thought this would be great because podcasting is, for those of you listening and know, has become so popular. But it's not just about podcasting as if, if people need to record a video or have a really high quality webinar presentation or any kind of audio or video production. It's a great setup. We've got all of the equipment in there. We've got a mixer, great microphones. And so that's where Ed is talking to me. And I'm in my home studio up further north on the coast in Florida. All right, Ed, let's, let's get into it. Uh, so I, I want to go through the journey. And so usually I start, you know, right around after high school, college time frame. You didn't go to college, right? Correct. I did not. So what, what, what was going on in your life and why did you decide to join the Navy instead? To be honest, you know, um, high school was tough for me. I had a hard time with school, had a hard time learning in that atmosphere so I was scared of going to college. Yeah. So uh, when the Navy approached me and gave me the opportunity to say, oh, you don't have to worry about it. You can do on-the-job training and, and get a good career. I said, that's my out. I'm going to yeah. go to the Navy and see what they provide me. And uh, 
you know, during, while I was in the Navy, I thought about, wow, what the hell did I do this for? But <laughs> looking back, it was, it was a great journey, learned a lot, and uh, I believe got me where I am today. What, what were some of those things that you think you learned in the Navy? You know, obviously, I, I didn't serve, but I've worked with a lot of people who have. But what do you think it's still, how does it still serve you to this day in your business? I think there's a couple of things that uh, point out. One is definitely discipline. You learn from the moment you go to boot camp to the, the last day when you leave is discipline, process, and hard work. And I think those are the formulas you need to do anything in life, whether you're going to work for somebody else or you're going to have your own business. Yeah. Do you think that, um, I mean, I know you learned a work ethic because your parents, obviously immigrant parents, and they worked extremely hard as my parents did. Do you think the discipline was something that you needed to get and that gave you that maybe you would not have had? Well, you know, one of the things that it also taught me through the, the discipline part is that it was hard, yet I persevered through it. So that let me know if I can get through that, I can get people yelling at me, get people to do, make you through things that you're like, why is that making me do this? Then I can do just about anything. Yeah. Yeah. That's so such it, a great point. Yeah. Yeah. It never let me, it, it taught me not to give up because, you know, like anything, I'm sure people, when they go to college or, or anything in life, the unknown is tough. So getting through it and not giving up, it's uh, very important. Yeah. And we're going to come back to that point because I think, like you mentioned, that applies to starting a business. You know, this, this office evolution journey, we'll, we'll get into it in a moment, but it's been a two-year process. And I think if you don't have that fight, that determination to work through it, then you give up. You don't get through the hard part. Agreed. Yeah. Okay. Did you back then, either before you went into Navy or you were in the Navy, did you have any thoughts or aspirations of owning your own business? You know, it was always in the back of my mind. Uh, I always wanted that. I even, uh, when I came out of the Navy, I even bought some vending machines. Did wow. that. Um, one of the things that, and I did that a few times, I did a little computer business and we've done little business on the sides. Never think anything big until later in life. And a lot of it had to do with not knowing where to get the knowledge to get a business, a real business started, not something on the side. Right. Where, where did that desire come from? What was it that you were looking for that you thought owning my own business would give you? You know, I just always thought that the only way to have the freedom and in, in my case back then, also the extra money was to have your own business where you can create whatever you need uh, even though back in that time, picking a company and making a career out of one company was big. Yeah. And uh, that's one of the things I kind of would do different if I was to start over. I wouldn't stay in one company as long as I did. You would not. I would not. Because? I, I think every time you change companies, hopefully not too often, but like, you know, every four or five years, you learn another aspect of that business. You learn how other companies deal with things and it makes you a more rounded person. Mm -hmm. When you're always with one person like I was for 24 years, you only know one thing. Yeah. 
but we came from that generation that that's what we were supposed to do, right? We were supposed to go somewhere, be a good employee and retire, hopefully. Exactly. And that was, uh, besides the fact that I wanted to be a business owner, didn't know how to do it. I, I figured, you know, you can just stay in one company and retire. Yeah. Okay. So you had that successful career 20 plus years. What happened then that you finally said, you know what, I need to leave this and go and start a proper business. What, what led to that? If you can remember back to then. That there was actually two things, right? So as you move up, you're focused on moving up. When you get to a management position, you look around. Uh, when I started in this particular company, it had tripled in size by the time the 20 plus years came around. And what I found was no matter how high I went up, I have zero influence in this company. <laughs> right. So that was one. And then number two was I look around and there was some people that were there longer than I. And I'm like, what are this person's options? This person's option is when they're ready, they're going to retire you, whether you're ready or not. And then what are you going to do? Go fish? You had nothing else to do. So I wanted my plan at that time was get my own business, build it to a point where either somebody else can run it for me or I can semi run it where I can still do something, but not be full-time at it. Mm -hmm. So when you made the decision, did you, I'm assuming you had to leave where you were working and start this, or were you able to do some of it on the side? Because I could think there was a conflict of interest or if you had done that, but tell me about the transition. Did you quit and start the business or did you kind of launch it while you were still working? Yeah, I launched it while I was still working. I did that for about a year and a half. That's hard. <laughs> it, it was tough. It was tough. And uh, it, it became a little bit of a conflict of interest because, you know, although when you're in management, it doesn't really matter your hours, you're not clocking. So I can work at 10 o'clock at night or I can work at six o'clock in the morning, get that job done and get the other job done. But still, I think the employer wouldn't see it that way. When did, what took it to finally leaving that sense of security of having that paycheck and benefits and finally letting go of that? Was there something that happened or was it just you got to a financial point where you were able to make that final cut? Yeah, pretty much. I got to a financial point where I had to make that, that leap. It wasn't fair to the both of us. So I just went ahead and did that. At that time, when you were doing it, when you were starting it, did you have a partner or was it just yourself? I had a partner. Okay. Do you think that helped with, you know, addressing this issue of, I don't know enough about business or I don't, you know, I need, did that help with that, taking that risk and that leap to go do it? Absolutely. Till today, I always think that having the right partner really helps because two heads are better than one. Obviously, two pocket boots are better than one. <laughs> right. And, uh, you know, I've never been good at the sales and marketing side. So I always look for that strength in that other person to help with that side of the business. I get it. I get it. Okay. And then you went through a whole cycle with that business, got a partner to acquired and, and, and then decided that came to an end. Tell us then... Well, before we get there, I'm, I'm actually always curious. Now you've been a business owner for some time now and you've touched on it when I asked you the question earlier about what a, why you were looking to be a business owner. What does being a business owner now that you've been at it for a while, what does it give you? Is it still those freedoms? But tell me about what it does for you now. You know, um, 
it's always what everybody thinks, right? It gives you the freedom. It gives you the, 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 the opportunity to make as much money as you want. But the most important part, and I tried to do that in my corporate career and to somewhat I had a little bit of uh, success there, but the most important was you're able to do for your customer anything you want to do. So if you're there to satisfy them, you're there to satisfy them. You don't have a corporate person saying, no, sorry, you're out of budget, close it, doesn't matter, go to the next one. I really found that we're able to satisfy customers was very important to me. Mm. That, that gives you a sense of pride and accomplishment that you know that you're serving your clients to the best of your ability. Correct. You almost yeah. become a partnership with your clients and you want to solve their problems. And sometimes, you know, you, you do it at, at, your, at your own expense. You take, you go a little bit more, you give them a little more than they wanted to. And that's how you give a good customer. Well, what does that do for you though? Why, why is that important for you? Because a lot of business owners don't necessarily focus on that. It's all about the profits. And of course, we're in business to make a profit, right? No doubt about that. But why is this so important to you? You know what? I, I don't know, but I, I do know that it makes me feel good. And if you're not in business to be happy and do what you want to do, then why are you in business? Yeah. So, well so for you, it, it's important that in your businesses, there's harmony. There's that feeling that you did... When you go home at the end of the day, you did the best you could for your clients and your customers. You, you go home and sleep well knowing that you gave it your best. Correct. That you have that integrity and you did the best with your customer. Now, I'll tell you right now, there are some customers that you have to give away. They don't have that same integrity back. And sometimes those are the ones that you say, I'd rather not have you as a customer. But for most customers, they're, they're in it also to like a, a win-win situation. Yeah, that's what I've found. And I think that's very well said because that's, that's where I, it took me a while to get to that level of maturity to understand that we can't satisfy everyone. But, it, and you're touching on one of the things that I think, you know, and you and I have talked about it, your wife Mitzi and I have talked about it is that one of the privileges of being a business owner is we get to, to some extent to choose who we do business with so that we are in alignment so that the, the people that you're serving by and large, you know, there's always exceptions, are people that value what we're doing for them and vice versa, yeah? Correct. And Correct. that's where you have harmony in a place where you go to it not dreading to go to that place of business, but looking forward to it. Listen, there are, there are hard days, right? But by and large, you have pride and you want to be part of this business. Correct. Yeah. Okay, so tell me a little bit about then the situation that you were in just briefly at a high level that then led you to search for this new business that ended up being Office Evolution. Take us back, we're talking a couple of years ago now, where were you in a high level, we don't have to talk details that led to this need to transition to something else? Yeah, so, so basically I had a philosophy or a thought that, and, and somebody sold me on it, that it's, it's better to own a small part of a big company than it is to own a big part of a small company. You get to have a little more freedom and you also get to make more money. So I went down that avenue. I merged the company that I had with another company. It was a great concept and everything was going good until to become a big company, you got to bring in investors. And as you start bringing in investors, some of them 
start taking over the company. That's exactly what happened. Mm -hmm. So at the end of the day, he became employees almost, even though we did have a, a shareholder on in the company's shares, but we became a, a an employee to these people. And then they start hiring people with not the same uh, criteria or ethics or um, goals that we did when we started the company. Yeah. And uh, that's when I reached, actually, I reached out to you and I said, I think it's time to do something else. I see yeah. the, I see the writing on the wall. <laughs> <laughs> so let's, let's talk about that process because this is something that I, you know, I try to help people with, I've been through the process. It, it can be a, uh, a difficult process, a frustrating process because it takes so much time. If we think back to, again, you and I started talking about this. You first reached out to me in early 2018 as right. I, I went back to my notes. So uh, this question, back then, did you think it would take that long before you had opened the doors on a new business? Did you think it would be a two-year journey? No, I did not. <laughs> I thought it would be just a few months, you know. I know, I know. And that, that, again, that's the hard part. So back then, talk, walk us through the process. How did you start looking for ideas to possibly consider? You know, it was interesting because as we sat down and we started um, diving into that, I was finding out and writing down the things I didn't want to do more than the things I wanted to do. Sure. And, and, and kind of scratch those off. I really didn't know what I wanted to do. So, but I did know what I didn't want to do. So we wrote those in first and then, um, and then we started down that journey. It, it really helps to have a coach that can ask you questions and say, Oh, okay. Yeah. So that, that helped quite a bit. Yeah. And then you went with a business broker, franchise broker. Is that right? Yeah. So in the process of uh, looking on how I was going to finance this new venture, I ran across the fact that there is these brokers out there. And I think you mentioned it too, but I didn't, I didn't know how to get one. Right. So uh, it just happens to be that the company that I was uh, researching on how to fund this gave me a lead that was one of these franchise brokers and I started working with. What I like about that approach and I recommend that to my clients is you may not even end up buying a franchise and you can do a business broker, you do a franchise broker, you can do both. But what I think it did for you is it started to give you ideas that you may not have considered before of different businesses that you may have never thought of thinking about doing before, right? Correct, correct. Let's talk about a couple of those ideas. I know you, you looked at, for example, the laundromat business and then, and then Office Evolutions came on the radar. Do you remember how, was it the broker that brought you the idea of, listen, there's this franchise I think you should look at. Do you remember how you came to them? Well, when, when you start the process with the broker, the first thing they do is they give you an interview and you write down all the things you want, you don't want, and they, they do an, ass, an assessment. And so that's the first thing we did. Then the second thing he does is he comes in on the next coaching and he says, from that uh, assessment, here are some of the ones that may be interested. And we went through them and a lot of them I didn't like. Some of them had to do with medical. So I told him I didn't want anything to do with that and, and other things. And as we're going through that list, I was also, after that session, was going out and doing research. Yeah. And I don't know how it came about. I don't know if it was a conversation between the two of us and you kind of 
said, hey, this is interesting, or I just Googled it and it came up. But somehow the co-working executive office thing came up. So I started researching that. Then I told the coach about it. And he's the one that also started researching it. And then we started going back and forth on the different ones and those against the ones we already had picked as, as leading, like the laundromat. I think we looked at the UPS kind of stores and stuff like that. Yeah. I think one of the things we'll get it, we'll dive into more of the reasons why, but one of the things that I think got you thinking, well, this shared workspace business center idea is it was complementary. In other words, you could run another business out of there, leverage it, and, and it just seemed to be complementary to your future plans as well. Absolutely. Yeah. Also, I think uh, one of the things that you brought up is what is it that you really want to do in this business? So who do you want to mingle with? Or, and that's office, uh, the office space to business to business really became, hey, my next part of life, I would like to meet people that are entrepreneurs and, and stuff like that. Yeah, so that's such a great point. That's such a great point because I think that's so important when people are thinking about types of businesses. I think the question we asked ourselves is and asked you is, can you envision yourself five years from now, 10 years from now working this business and the type of people that are going to be your clients, which are your, your members now as you're growing the business, like you said, are like-minded people, other small business owners. And that's the environment that you want to be around. That fits you. And that's, that was a big part of it. Yeah. Correct. Especially comparing it to other businesses. Okay. We'll talk about in a moment why, you know, you decided on that. If you think back to that process then that you went to until you got to that point where you had narrowed it down and you're thinking, all right, let's vet this franchise. Do you think back, what would you have done differently? Is there anything that stands out that you would have done differently in that phase of looking for a business? I think I would have done more of a business coach instead of a franchise coach. I think a franchise coach was narrowing you down just to franchises and a business coach would be more of, I think I needed somebody that will help you with all of it. Um, that's what I would probably do different. Yeah. Yeah. No, that's a good point. Why did you ever think you would go with a franchise? No, but at the same time, and that goes back to the Navy days as following processes. Mm -hmm. I like the idea that somebody else did all that upfront work. Right. That's one of the things I didn't want to do is start from scratch. Yeah. Yeah. And I, you know, being your coach at the time, at, at the time, you know, at that point in my life, certainly I, it's not that I'm anti-franchise, but I was always very cautious. And I think, you know, I gave you my, my speech on these are the things you have to have in this franchise. But then as you started vetting it and I was helping with you, it, it was ticking off the box about how OE has gone about it. And they seemed at that point to be doing all the right things, right? Yeah. And it, it was interesting because you always, uh, when we first started, you always said, hey, what value is this franchise going to give you? And some of the ones that I did have interviews with that were not in the office, um, uh, executive office uh, uh, era or industry, area, yeah. industry. Yeah. Um, you know, you can see that, that there was no value there or very little value. And you can also see that 
they, even though they said all the right things because they're, they're they're trying to sell you on something, you can kind of read through it, especially if you Google them and you see some of the complaints and stuff like that. You were like, whoa, you know, these people are just there to get their feet. Yeah. Absolutely. And when we were looking, it might still be the case. When we were looking at it, this was, uh, again, over a year ago now, they, Office, Office Evolution had not had a single unit close, which I thought was incredibly impressive, right? I think it, it told you something. But you're exactly right. That is the biggest thing I have people look at. Most franchises offer you value up front, right? How to get the place open, how to look for a space. Here's the manuals, all of that. It's that ongoing value for which you're paying a franchise an ongoing royalty fee for rather. That's where two, three years down the line, you don't want to end up saying, what the heck am I paying for here? And so that is a critical component that you identified early on. And I think it's, it's in my observation, it's been the case. The support that they've offered you ongoing has been very good, I would say. Yeah, it's been very good. Uh, it's funny because I never really think about the fee because right. I'm, it's almost like, to me, it's almost like I'm just a branch of their corporation. Right. That's, that's right. how they treat you. So I, I got very lucky that the first franchise that we, we picked had these kind of cores. Yeah. All right. So tell me about the vetting process. It's, it was a pretty typical process. Obviously, you, you spoke to a representative for a period of time. You, re -re you reviewed the FDD or whatever it's called now. Um, I think you had an attorney review it as well at some point. Is that right? Yeah, I, I hired a uh, franchise attorney to go through the, uh, the FD, FTD. I think it's called FTD. something else now. But the disclosure document that every right. franchise has to give you by law. Yeah, correct. And uh, it's, it's, it's pretty technical, you know, you and I read through it and we understood most of it, but boy, it's, you know. Yeah, it was technical. I also uh, got with a CPA to see how the entities needed to be. I was doing something a little unique because I was funding uh, some of that with my 401k, which required a ROBS, which I didn't even know existed until I started this process. And even my CPA really didn't know anything about it. So he, had to, he had to do some homework. So, you know, the entity. So it goes with the two at the very beginning that I needed was a franchise lawyer, uh, a CPA, and obviously the two coaches, yourself and the broker coach. Yeah, that's great. That, that, I'm glad you described that team because that's so essential. That's the other thing I think people miss is making sure that they have the right team that's going to cost a little bit of money but it's essential otherwise if you can't afford those resources then in my opinion you're probably not ready this is henry lopez with a brief interruption to introduce you to our new show sponsor fredos an online international freight marketplace. So much is unpredictable right now, but our sponsor, Freydos.com, is making the world of freight shipping logistics a little smoother in these challenging times. Freydos.com brings thousands of importers and exporters together in an online marketplace, giving you the freedom to move between providers. You just say the what, where, and when, and the Freydos algorithm will find the right route, provider, and price quote for all of your ocean, air, or trucking shipments. I am particularly impressed by how easy the online platform is to use. The result? Confidence in your pricing, reliable service, and peace of mind. On Fredos.com, you can compare, book, and manage your shipments all in one place. With thousands of importers and exporters on one platform, 
BookingOnFredos.com delivers bulk buying power that's typically reserved for high-volume importers. Plus, more logistic providers competing for business means lower cost and better service. Fredos.com helps small business importers get competitive and fair access to freight shipping logistic providers in the world's largest digital freight platform. As a special offer for the How of Business listeners, Freitos will take $100 off your first booking over $1,000. Go to freitos.com forward slash business and use the coupon code FREIGHTPODCAST. That's F-R, the number eight podcast to try Freitos for your business. Since you touched on it, let's, let's go off on that tangent for a moment, the whole Rob's program and how you cobbled together the financing and the SBA loan. Give me a little bit more details on that. You decided to tap into your IRA money in part for this, correct? Correct. A lot of people would say that's crazy. That's too high risk. What do you say to that? You know, I had a, I did some research on that and, and I researched on how risky that is and actually is the opposite of risk. Because when you take your 401k money and you're putting it all in the market, you're risking it on all those companies. So what I did, obviously, is I didn't take it all. I took a portion of it, and I decided to invest it in a company that I have full control on. So now my 401k technically is diverse. I'm in the market with all those companies I have no control over, and I'm also a portion of it in a business that I have 100% control over. Yeah, you're betting on yourself that, that exactly. you're going to make this work. The ROBS program, R-O-B-S, and that's, that's a program that allows us to, within the IRS code, without paying any penalties, borrow against that, that money that you have in your IRA account, correct? Correct. It's called Rollover for Business Startups. And you're able to, it has a bunch of rules, but you're able to bring over that 401k, open a 401k in an entity, and, and then invest those 401k uh, money into a business that you're going to run. And one of the technicalities there is it has to be a corporation, a C-corp. It might be an S-corp too, but it has to be a corporation, right? It could only be a C-corp. It can only be a C-corp. That's right. Right. Yep. So that was one of the things. And that's where the CPA came in to help you structure all of that. Now, that also, though, allowed you still to go with an SBA loan, right? Correct. I still can get an SBA loan. Tell me a little bit about that process, because, you know, I've, I've gotten SBA loans. You have now. Um, what did you learn from that process of getting an SBA loan? Uh, like, like any loan, it was, uh, it was a learning experience. Uh, you know, I had to... Re- go through a lot of documents, had to do a performa, had to do business plans, had to do all that stuff that, you know, when you're a small business, you don't really need to do that unless you're going to go get investors. Right. So uh, I didn't really have to do that before. So it, it taught me to do, to do all that. Yeah. Okay, great. Thanks for sharing that. Let's come back to the business. I think it'd be good at this point to kind of summarize and we'll get into it more in a minute, but what is it that an office evolution offers at a high level? What is this business? We've touched on it, you know, executive suites, offices, but what is the offering really? You know, it's very interesting because it's, um, it's something that I never gave a thought. But basically, we're opening a business center that's helping small business, solopreneurs, entrepreneurs, not to worry about their office. 
So they have all, they have office as a service. They get to use our copy machines. They get to use our kitchen. They don't have to spend money building one of those. They get to use uh, all of our, our offices and services that we have a receptionist up front. That's a business center manager that can help them with any of the needs they need or look things up for them. So I look at it as a business that helps small business grow, hopefully grow out of this and into their bigger office. Mm-hmm. You know, that would be the ideal. Spend a few years with us here and grow out of it. Now, if you're a solopreneur, you may not ever want to grow out of it because that's all you want to do. But exactly. if you want to grow your business and that would be it. Yeah. Yeah, no, very well said. And so you, you understood that as you were deciding, all right, I like the business model and we'll talk more about all the services here in a moment. I like that idea. I, we talked about how you saw yourself as it being a fit with that clientele. It was like-minded people. You could envision yourself doing this business longer term. It complemented if you wanted to still have another business on the side because you could office there yourself. So it had all of those things going for it. You could envision yourself doing it. You were in, obviously in communication with, with OE. And then I think the step is, one of the major steps is, is to go in for the, what they call a discovery day, right? Correct. So tell me about that. What, what was that process like? Actually, it was really good. I mean, we uh, flew up to Denver, Colorado. That's where they're out of. They're actually out of Louisville, which is close by. And we spent the day with them. They, they treated us great. We met other people that are also vetting the, the company. Uh, as a matter of fact, I have a good friend of ours now that was vetting that company and decided not to go with this company. They went with a, with a different franchise and we're friends as today. So we actually met on Discovery Day and they're from South Florida. So, you know, small world. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, it was good. They gave you all the information and then you go home and, uh, you know, you, you have to make a decision. It took me a little while. I didn't really close till December that year when we went in October. What was it that you were still having to work through? I'm, I'm very analytical. So I could not make the numbers work with the information given. So because they can't give, they can't help you and give you the numbers, I had to go look for all the numbers and I just couldn't make it work. So yeah. uh, I did reach out to them. They gave me a little more help. Uh, we, we reached out to it, the local real estate broker to get some information. And then after I got close enough, I just took a, a leap of faith that the numbers are going to work. Yeah. And I mean, that's, that's a, I'm glad you shared that because that is a common challenge. It's a challenge for me too, you know? So both of us are very analytical. I mean, we, we massaged that spreadsheet until it was like a blur, right? Uh, but you, you said it precisely. You, you have to do the analysis. You have to put together a financial performer. I always tell people, even if you don't put a formal business plan together, you have to do the financial projections. But at some point, once it seems like it's realistic, you got to take that leap of faith. There are no guarantees, right? Nobody has a crystal ball. You hope that you build this thing and people will come, but then something like COVID happens, which we'll talk about in a moment, right? So that I'm glad that you shared that. I want to go back to when you came back from the discovery day. Do you remember if there's, do you remember one thing that impacted you that you that thought these people continue to tick the boxes? I feel good about them. What was that one thing? You know, uh, there were never pressure from them. As a matter of fact, it was almost the opposite. 
it kept giving me information and telling me things to say, if you're not really into this is this business is not for everybody. So if you're not really into it, it's okay, walk away. And you know, it, it that kind of homed up. Then it was just, they had a good vibe there. It's just everybody was friendly. They try to give you as much information as they can. They, they, they opened their arms. It wasn't very, you know, business-like all the time. Uh, so I just felt good. Yeah, I, I think that's the big takeaway. That's what I always advise people when they go to these events. You got to look for what's not said, the feeling, how they treat you, that beyond this sales pitch, which they all have to do, obviously, they're in business to sell franchises, but how, how do you feel about it? How does it, at a gut level, how do you connect? I think that's so important. You've got to go with your instinct there. What does it tell you? Uh, especially, you know, we've been around enough in life to know, kind of to judge people and read between the lines. Uh, and that was my impression as well with them. Okay, so you decided to go with it, you sign your agreement, then comes this process of finding a space, right? Yeah, and I, probably, <laughs> and I probably was a little bit of a pain to them because I'm like, all right, let's go. And there, obviously we were going through Christmas and we were going through right. New Year's and they were all closed. And I'm like, what are we doing? I signed two weeks ago. Why, why aren't we out looking for a space? Yeah, and, and this we started, is, we're talking uh, end of 29, no, end of 2018, right? That you signed yeah, the agreement. Yeah, I signed end yeah. of 2018. So we yeah. started it at early 19. Early 19, you started yeah. your search for space. The search for space. And, yeah. Yeah. And that's, so I want you to share with that because that is one that I think is always frustrating. People think we're going to find something right away. I find that then people will rush the decision because they're desperate to get a place and that's a mistake. So tell me about that process and how you felt and, you know, the setbacks and the work that you put in to find the right place. You know, uh, it goes back to my analytical and Navy days. I wanted to hit every box that they had as the perfect spot. First floor, lots of restaurants, close to uh, uh, highways and that kind of stuff. And we, we did our first round and uh, yeah, there was a couple that was good. I kind of liked them, but none of them hit my spot or, or I liked. Uh, I actually came to this spot here where we actually end up, ended up, looked at it and said, no way. This was a complete shell. <laughs> and by, by talking to some of the other ones and knowing what it was going to cost to build this out, I said, no way. I'm never going to be able to afford this. So I just walked away. I didn't even, I didn't even put this on the list. Yeah. I didn't, I didn't even know that or I couldn't remember that. And plus, plus that for people who obviously don't know the whole development there, this was a location of a previous mall that had an office building and a Sheraton hotel. They knocked down the mall, gutted the office building. It's really a, like a new building and now are rebuilding a lifestyle mall, an outdoor mall. But back then, when you went to look at it, it was a construction site at best, right? Even the building was under construction. Even was, the building, yeah. There was no one open in, in the building, so we had to wear a hard hat and everything. Uh, we were the second tenant to sign in this building. The first tenant was Edna, who took like three floors. Um, so, but when the broker came back and said, they're interested in putting a co-working spot in this building. It fits their narrative of live, work, and play all in the area. I'm like, 
okay? And they're open to doing a turnkey, which means that they're going to pay for the build out. Which is huge. I said, oh, now I'm <laughs> let's talk. <laughs> so we started talking, but you know, that happened, geez, that happened like uh, late February and we didn't sign this thing till September. Yeah. It, it so we, you know, it's interesting because you found a place relatively quickly relative to my other experiences, but then you know, you know, we're happy where we're at, but the landlord took their sweet time for all kinds of different reasons. And getting from, you know, LOI to signed lease was an arduous process to say the least. It was, it was actually very frustrating at many times. I told the broker, it's time to walk away. Let's go look for something else. You know, clock is ticking here. Right. And I wanted to open the sooner the better. So, um, you know, but things happen for reasons. I always say, follow it and just keep going because that turned out to be a blessing. And there'll be other things as we talk through here that became blessings. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Well, the next big thing that happens is just as construction is underway, we go into the COVID crisis. It fortunately did not slow down much of the construction inside the building that was going on, right? Correct. Construction just kept going which made me even more nervous, right? Because right. now, now I have a, a commencement date or a startup date in the middle of COVID. Uh, and I was kicking and screaming, you know, I was already getting up red flags with the uh, landlord and they didn't want to hear it. They're like, hey, look, man, we, we got to move Sorry. on. Sorry, yeah. <laughs> uh, I'm sure, you know, maybe if, so, if it would have came down to that, it would have happened, but got... I wouldn't say got lucky at the time. I didn't think it was luck, but at the time COVID hit, I'm like, Oh my God, this is a problem. Then the fire marshal wouldn't let the space open. Right. So delays happen. And it just happened that those delays pushed me all the way through where plantation reopened. And I didn't have to have that conversation with the landlord. I was yeah. able to open right after COVID opened. I mean, uh, the city opened. Yeah. The other thing that we got to break on is you were able to push out for six months, your SBA loan starting uh, payments starting on that. So that was a, a good benefit that we were able to take advantage of there. Right. Correct. Correct. That's the only thing that I would from the CARES Act that I was able to take advantage of it because exactly. we weren't open, right? We weren't open. Exactly. So that's the only thing is they were able to actually pay for six months worth of, yeah. of payments. Yeah. Which, which is, which is huge. Now, so let's talk about the impact. Uh, obviously, you're open now. Certainly, it's still impacting things because people are still in this indecisive phase as to whether they commit, whether they don't. Although one of the things that I, we know, we've talked about that's going to come out of this is if nothing else, this epidemic has highlighted remote working, the benefits of that for small and large businesses the disadvantage of being locked into a long-term lease that they can't get out of and it's just sitting there. So we are confident and we're already seeing it that this concept is going to make even more sense. Nonetheless, we open in the middle of a pandemic. We can't have a, a grand opening. We can't have events. We're being very cautious. We're following all of the guidelines. So it's, it's been a balancing act, hasn't it? Big time. And, uh, you know, very... Lots of anxiety around that. I'll tell you that right now, because uh, even though, you know, business is going, there's days where we, you know, nobody knocks on the door, right? And, uh, or they do, and they're like, you know what, we're just not ready right now. 
and I can understand that they're home and they're, they also don't want to take on the expense of getting an office and all that. So Mm -hmm. uh, on that, so you're hearing it every day though, because you are talking to prospective new members as, as office evolution calls them. We don't, we purposely don't call them tenants in part because of the flexibility of the, the terms of the agreements that members sign as opposed to these long-term locked in leases but what, what are you hearing on that point on people and, and what the future, what are you seeing and think the future is going to be of officing and businesses and, and remote working and all of that? What, what do you think is going to happen? Well, I do think that more and more companies are going to offer a, the perfect name, flexible workspace, right? Where, they may have, for instance, a office in downtown Miami, but they have five uh, employees that will live in Broward. They may want them to come here instead of going all the way to downtown Miami, and they may just reduce their footprint or not. We're also seeing a lot of virtuals, more than was planned. So my virtuals are very up. Uh, people, I guess, still need to do business, still want the business, but they're not ready to spend for an office. So they get our professional plan or, or they just get our business uh, address and they get those benefits. Yeah. Yeah. And more and more, especially, you know, we've talked about this before and we're seeing it with, with independent businesses that might be home office, the need to have a Google My Business page, for example, for which you need a legitimate business address, that alone is driving a lot of people to look at those plans that you offer where it's a, a business address service. And that's all they might need, a place to receive package, uh, a formal business address that they can put on the Google My Business page. And that might be what they need to take their business to the next level, right? Correct. And it's funny because I was talking to one of the members the other day and we were actually talking about that. And she was mentioning why she chose Office Evolution. She's happy. Uh, number one, she was doing most of her business out of Starbucks's. So she would go there to work when she can't do that anymore. Uh, and then the other thing was when you get a business address or a professional plan with us, you get a whole bunch of other things that come with it. So you're able to get your, like if you have a professional plan, you're able to get $60 worth of meeting rooms, day rooms, and you're able to get the discounts of that on top of be able to use this, uh, this address. So when you start adding all that up, what you're actually paying for the co-working is very minimal. Yeah, yeah, great point. All right, we'll start to wrap it up here. I'm always curious, at the point that the business in now just recently opened, definitely open for business, but just recently opened, what is the most important role that you play in the business now? What, what is your role now in the business that's most important? Well, the most important role that I never thought I was in is, is uh, marketing, right? Sales and marketing. Had to learn a lot about that. You've helped me a lot and you still do on that. The other role is the, I'm, I'm acting as the accountant, right? So I got to do the accounting. Eventually, we'll probably sub that out to a small firm to do all the bookkeeping. But right now, especially because of COVID, I didn't want to, put that expense onto the company. So I've been doing it. That's my Saturday mornings. I just do all the bookkeeping. Now, luckily on a platform with a franchise and with OE, they do all of the, what's called the center's accounting. 
I just have to do my own business accounting. So, you know, they they have a, a NetSuite and they they we, they put that all through there. And my business center manager, which happens to be my wife, she puts it in there every time she does a sale or any kind of transaction. And uh, they do all the back of the house, which really helps quite a bit. It's huge, yeah. But but you're you're necessarily having to play that CFO role now. Um, and I think it's important. What I, I see a lot of times business owners will say, well, I'm not a numbers person and they kind of are blind to that. Certainly out of necessity right now, you have to be on that performer right now to see how we're doing with ramp up and getting to that break even point. So you've got to look at those numbers every day almost, right? Yeah. And, and the good thing is uh, Office Evolution gives you a business coach. We meet once a week and once a week, I update a spreadsheet. So it kind of disciplines me to say, okay, I got to go look at the numbers because I got to update a spreadsheet. I'm sure if I didn't, life would go on, but it, I think it helps them understand the way the business is. And it also helps me understand the business. Yeah. Yeah. And it keeps you focused as the CEO on what has to happen. You, you know, kind of what the metrics are and where we need to be and number of inbound inquiries and how many new members. And it's been going well, especially <laughs> in light of what we all taught, we just talked about with COVID. Correct. It, I think it's going extremely well because I think, I don't think I know, we know that when people come in and see it, they're like, oh, okay, I get it. You know, when I had the sweet salon business, it was a very similar thing that we had to get people in because when they came in and saw it, they realized, oh, I see the benefits here. I see what this looks like now. I see why this is better. Correct. Correct. Okay. What, what's next? So if we, we, we talked about what you're focused on now, I think obviously over the remainder of this year is to continue signing up new members and that's your focus, right? Yeah. I mean, uh, obviously, are, are we signed up to open two of these uh, locations in South Florida? And uh, the focus will be to get this one to break even so we can start the, the recruiting of the next one. Mm -hmm. um, start the process all over again. Start yeah. that process. <laughs> yeah. And you know, uh, you know one, of the, like, one of the reasons where we, we started at the very beginning, this is supposed to be a semi-absentee type business, right? So once we hire a BCM, I should be able to do this part-time. I still have a full-time job. I have another business that I got to run. So I, I play the double hat every day. Uh, you know, whatever is on the agenda, it gets done on one business or the other. Hmm. I think you are finding, I mean, it's, it's great that you have your wife, Mitzi, that's there, right? Playing that role right now of the business center manager. But even in these early days, you are, you have been able to do both things, keep that full-time job. It's nice that you get to office there as well when possible. You have been able to, I mean, you're putting in long days and long weeks, but you have been able to do it, right? Correct. I've been able to do it. Uh, you know, COVID changed our plan a little bit. The plan was for Mitzi to do it about two or three months, just enough to learn everything. We wanted to make sure we understood this business before we hire somebody to run it for us. And uh, because of COVID, we've kind of said, you know what, let's hold up on that a little bit. Let's bootstrap it a little more until we're ready to go hire this person. Cause obviously I get the choice whether to pay my wife or not. So. Yeah. Yeah. And she's been doing a great job, but yeah. what's it been like? I think this is the first time you've worked with your wife in a business. This is the first time we've worked 
in any, she's the first time she's worked in any business on her own. <laughs> and this is the first time we work together. Yes. How would you say it's going? You know, uh, it's actually going really good. I mean, it helps that we have a great relationship. So that helps a lot. Uh, obviously there's days that I point things out because I'm, like I said, I'm very analytical and I'm very like, uh, why are you leaving that for tomorrow? Let's do it today. And, and she's more like, don't worry about that. We'll do that tomorrow. <laughs> so uh, we, we have those, but at the end of the day, she, we, we work good together. And yeah. we get to, when we get to talk to it at, at night, you know? Yeah. I found the first time I worked with my wife, Pam, was when we had the salon business. That was the first time that we worked together. And I found that the, the challenge was mine. I had to check myself on how I was talking to her sometimes because you got to be careful. I had to ask myself this question. Would I have spoken to an employee the way I just spoke to her in her capacity in that role that she was playing? She was doing the back office. And I really had to check myself because I found myself kind of crossing a line there of being, you know, not as respectful as I should have been and not as patient as I should have been. Uh, and so I always find that to be a thing that you got to figure out that dynamic. Not every couple can work together, you know, and it does take a lot of um, consideration and a lot of understanding, a lot of patience to do that. And I think you guys are doing it extremely well. Exactly. And it does help to have a, a coach in that because one of the things that I found is that sometimes when I tell her to do something, it's, <laughs> It's just me telling her to do something exactly. one more time. Exactly. So by bringing you in and having her coach, I mean, she's never really been in sales and doing marketing and, 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 and trying to get people to close their, their business here. So you helping that and me not doing it, I guess, helps her quite a bit. Absolutely. It's, it's like when we try to do that kind of stuff with our children, that baggage comes with us no matter what we try to do. Yeah, exactly. And so it's always good when it comes from a third party. All right, we'll start, exactly. to, start to wrap things up. Is there anything we didn't talk about as far as services that Office Evolution offers? Obviously, we, we talked about private suites. There are individual private suites with the door that you can lock, just like you would have seen in a traditional executive suites environment. You have team offices, you mentioned the conference rooms. Those can be had as part of being a member in a suite or by the day. You know, if you just need a, an, a conference room to do a closing or have a meeting or what have you. You talked a little bit about the co-working as well. Um, and then there's, there's like a day office as well. So tell me a little bit more about that because I don't know that we got too much into that aspect of it. Yeah, so basically, and actually this, this brings up a perfect spot. So we have a member she happens to be uh, a therapist and she came to us and says, look, I'm, I'm thinking of getting a second office. And I said, well, what do you need the second office for? She goes, well, you know, I'm going to start uh, bringing some people in and we may have to do some double booking. I go, well, why don't you just rent our day office by the hour for those double bookings and you can now postpone that second office till you get enough business. And she goes, Oh my God, I didn't even know that. And she was already a member. So we walked over, I showed her the day office and I said, yeah, now you may have to bring some things in here and because you're in therapy and, you know, kind of dampen it down. It's more of a, it's a business room. She goes, no, I totally understand. This is perfectly for good for children right here. And then, so that's the kind of things we do. We kind of listen to them and we help them. I could have easily just said, Sure, let's rent you another office. I got right. another 30 to rent, right? Right, let me sign you up for five years and lock exactly. you in. Exactly, but I said, no, let me give you this other thing. I've been a business owner, and if you can postpone that extra cost 
for a while. Why not? Yeah. Great stuff. So that's what that office is there for, for people to just use it by the hour. If they just need a quiet place to work or hold a meeting and they don't want to rent the whole, you know, conference room, they can do that. Mm -hmm. And then uh, we, we touched on virtual services. That's, that's been very popular for anything from a, having a business address, a place to have packages dropped off, secure mail. And then we did not touch though on the, uh, the phone services and, and that offering. So just tell us for a moment what that entails. Well, when you get an office with us, you get a phone service that comes with it. Now the first service is not uh, complete, right? So basically all they do is they'll, if, if you want, you get a choice. You can go to voicemail or you can have our our office center, answer the phone and just answer it and push it over to voicemail for you or, or forward it to the, um, to the business owner. Mm -hmm. And then on top of that, if you want more elaborate for an extra fee, you can have them either do a script, you can have them, uh, uh, you know, qualify the, the person on the other side of the phone and then send them over. And what they do is they just charge by the minute how long that takes. So um, we, we have those services. Great. All right. Great stuff. All right. We'll start to wrap it up. I'm always looking for a book recommendation. And I think you, you and I chatted before we started recording. You've got a recommendation of one that was a big influence on you early on and that you still refer to. So tell me about that book. Yeah. So one, one book that actually uh, when I was in corporate America, they, they told me to go get it and I did Seven Habits uh, of the Most uh, Effective People. I think that's the way it's. Yeah, I think it's Heaven Habits of Effective People or something like that. It's, it's by Cubby. Right, exactly. It's by Cubby. And uh, I like that. It's a, it's a long book. I, I do a lot of audio books. I like to listen to things as I drive. I do a lot of driving. But I had the paperback and I also did the, uh, the audio book and it's about, it's pretty long. But it just gives you all of the different habits that you need to be successful in a business. And then it gives you all the examples of why those habits are good. So it's a, it's a pretty good book. Mm -hmm. Great. Thank you for that recommendation. All right, we'll wrap it up, Eddie. What, uh, this conversation that we've had in particular, I mean, there were two parts, your journey, but then this process that you went through to select a new business, choosing a franchise, opening it for business. What's one thing that you want us to take away from that conversation that we had? You know, one of the things that that whole conversation or this whole journey is, is said is that, you know, don't give up on whatever you think you want that will make you happy. Now, if you're very happy working for somebody else, then that's fine. But if you're not, there's always an opportunity to do something that will make you happy, especially as you get older. So for me, it's like, okay, I'm going to start getting into my 50s do I really want somebody constantly telling me what to do or not to do for my own customers? And the answer was no. So I went down this journey. Yeah. Well said. You know, there's two words that I wrote down as you were saying that one is we've touched on and you've talked about that I think has been a personality trait of yours. That is one of the reasons you're successful as a business owner is that perseverance. So you don't give up, <laughs> you know, you, you stay at it. And we talked about that before we got into the story of this two-year journey that you've been on with this particular business. If you didn't have that perseverance, 
you may well have given up. You may well have said, you know what, we're not going to find a place where, you know, it's just going to take too long. But you fought, fought, fought until you got what you wanted. The other thing that we haven't quite touched on that I think is a key component of your approach and personality that makes you successful is your attitude. You don't ever seem to, at least I don't see it very often, get too upset, too frustrated. You know, you try to keep an even keel about things and realize that life is going to keep throwing these curveballs at you. You're get, getting successful in business is not easy. Otherwise, everybody would be doing it. But you tend to take it in stride and not let anything get you too bummed out. Is that, am I perceiving that correctly? Or do I just not see you at night when you crawl up into a corner in a ball and cry, right? No, you know, that was one of the things uh, I, I have crashed with my children and my, my wife because that emotion just doesn't flow in me, right? So I, something happens, car breaks down, whatever. I just look at it, okay, well, how am I going to fix this? I don't worry about, yes, at first I was like, oh, man, why did this happen to me? Blah, blah, right. blah. But then you go right out of it. Same thing in business. We've had lots of curveballs come through us, even with this Office Evolution and opening it. Uh, center. And it's always like, you know what? This action is probably going to make it better. Let's just go find a solution to this. And most of the times you look back and you're like, man, I'm so glad that happened. Look what happened because of it. Mm -hmm. So um, I look at it that way and just keep going. You Do you think back. you've always had that outlook in life, even when you were young? You know, uh, Yes and no. I do remember when I was uh, in my in my 20s, I went through this program. It was called uh, Life Spring. And it was kind of like a personal development coaching. I don't know if that helped, but it was all about being positive and, you know, uh, learning how to deal with your emotions and all that. So maybe that helped. Maybe it was just the fact that, you know, I just don't give up on things and the Navy makes sure of that because, you know, when I joined the Navy, I didn't know this at the time, but technically you could quit. I didn't know that. I thought that, was, <laughs> that wasn't an option. I was going to go to jail if I didn't, if I didn't make this. So I just kept going, you know, I'm like, yeah, you know, uh, you know, I didn't, I didn't succeed in everything in the Navy, but I definitely got through everything. So, yeah. Great stuff. Eddie, this has been a great conversation, inspirational as I knew it would be. Thanks for taking the time to, to do it and to share so freely on all of these topics. I appreciate it. Oh, thank you for having me. This is Henry Lopez, and thanks for listening to this episode of The How of Business. My guest today, again, was my cousin, Ed Urivaso. We release new episodes every Monday morning, and you can find us on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, and at our website, thehowabusiness.com. You can also text the word biz, B-I-Z, to 31996 to receive more information. Thanks for listening. Thank you for listening to The How of Business. For more information about our coaching programs, online courses, show notes pages, links, and other resources, please visit thehowofbusiness.com.